Joining me now on the line is the executive director of the Kamloops Food Bank, Bernadette Siraki. Bernadette, how are you doing here today? I'm good, Jeff. How are you? Oh, I'm doing well. Thank you so much for asking. So, good. <laughs> yeah, I just wanted to kind of start there with, uh, you know, what I was mentioning there in, in the intro. Um, you know, you had said, uh, I think it was April 5th or 6th that we had had you on last, and, and you were basically saying that now, more than ever, you know, food donations were needed. So I just kind of wanted to start by getting a, a picture from you of how things have gone here over the last couple of weeks. That remains accurate. We, we still need food donations. This is likely one of the most important food drives we've had. This is the 24th food drive. And we've gone back to the yellow bags this time around. They're biodegradable. Um, so hopefully people have received them either through the McDonald's drive through or Camelot's this week, this Wednesday. Um, we're asking people to fill those, put them as far away from your house at the edge of your driveway. Um, Rotarians will come and pick them up. And truly, we really need that product. You're right about the unpredictability of donations since the crisis hit. Um, at First, we were unable to even purchase the quantities we required from the stores um, as people were going in and sort of filling their own shelves. Uh, the stores were struggling to keep their shelves full. So I think that supply has, has evened out a little bit. So we're able to connect in with the stores and, and um, we're able to purchase again what we, what we need. But um, we de- our need is increased and we're expecting it to increase dramatically over the next six months. As every food bank across the country is. So what, what do your shelves look like right now? Is there a way you can kind of, uh, you know, paint a picture for what that looks like at this point in time? Well, you know, what's very interesting, actually, is we've noted some um, interesting patterns during this crisis. So at first, people were, you know, filling their own pantries, not donating. Um, we couldn't purchase food. And for the first time in eight years, during the first week of, of the new directives by the government for social distancing, et cetera, we ran out of perishable product, first time in eight years. So we were um, very concerned about how things were going to unfold for us. And um, the perishable side of things, so milk, eggs, those the producers of those items, so the dairy producers in BC um, and local farmers, et cetera, they were, um, had, supplied all of the restaurants that are now closing. So there have, they have um, an increased um, n- amount of perishable product that they need to either distribute to food banks to get out into the community or it's going to waste. So at this point in time with the perishable product is quite interesting. We're getting a large volume of that. So and we're distributing it and we're able to, which is fabulous because of our food share program, we are networked into the community to 54 agencies that make meals. Many of them are closed, but we are filling the shelves and the kitchens at the Mustard Seed, Henry Leland, Crossroads, um, the Boys and Girls Club um, really have been able to get whatever they need when it comes to perishable product. Of course, that's going to shift again when the restaurants open and as these producers aren't making um, um, the amount of product that they are now. But um, that, that has really shifted for us. So that's, we're really grateful for that. What is the demand then? I mean, you mentioned that, you know, you're having some success in in helping your partners be able to uh, provide the food that is as necessary at this point in time. And and we had talked, uh, like I said earlier, I don't know if it was this month or even late last month when you and I personally last spoke, but you were basically saying that demand was continuing to go up. So what, what has happened here over the last, you know, two, three weeks? I mean, have you seen that demand continue to increase over that time? 
Yeah, you know what, we we are definitely busy and what we're noticing is that there's several new faces coming to our door that haven't used our food bank before. Um, the folks that have used the food bank before are definitely in higher need at the moment and we have new processes here that match what you're seeing around the city. So our clients need to stand, you know, two meters apart in line. We only have two people inside at a time, clients. Our volunteers and staff are packaging all of the products so the choice is a bit removed, but um, they're getting a perishable hamper, a non-perishable hamper, and many kind of extra items like bread and milk and eggs, like I was saying, when they come in. But um, because of the process has shifted a bit, we have a lineup literally most of the day here, every day that goes, you know, right down the street. So it's visually very stunning to see that, but our clients, we're, we're just really grateful that we're able to remain open, and we've honored all of these directives so that we're able to do so. And our clients, I'd like the donors to know this, that our clients are incredibly grateful. Honestly, they are telling me daily, thank you for being open. We're, you know, really concerned about, um, you know, not being able to eat and have this basic need met. So they've been just so, so delighted that we're open. I mean, if we closed... For many of our people, that would be our clients. That would be like the grocery store closing for the rest of us, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So it's a distressing thought and it's a stressful thought. And But another thing that we've noticed too is many times in this city, people want to volunteer. They want to help when these crises happen and they show up at our door by the hundreds, literally, like with wildfires, et cetera, you know, these prior crises. This one is a different, a whole different energy because... People can't come in. We can't welcome new volunteers in. So there's an increased load on our staff, on our regular volunteers, and people are supporting us, you know, with with financial donations. And we're really grateful for that because in the coming months, we're really going to need to be purchasing for what we anticipate an increased number of folks. And with that all being said, because we, you had mentioned to me before how, you know, as you were going through this transition period and making those changes to how you go about serving clients based upon social distancing and that physical distancing aspect that we have to all abide by at this point in time, you know, it was sort of, uh, me, it wasn't, you know, impacting you in, in the ability to deliver service, but it was changing the way you were going about doing that, right? Having fewer clients uh, in at yeah. one time. The lineup, like you had mentioned, was more like, out the door as opposed to people being in a waiting room and, and you know, even just your last response there talking about how volunteers being um, a little bit more scarce, I guess, in terms of just their yeah. ability to come in, right? Because a lot of people are just not necessarily comfortable going out into those kinds of environments. So just what has your process been like here? I mean, have you kind of adapted and and are things running fairly smoothly now that you maybe have, you know, really figured out how that process works in terms of allowing and inviting clients into the building and serving them and then getting them out the door and then and, and then welcoming the next yeah. person? Is that pretty smooth now? Yeah, it really is. I mean, it, it does take a bit more time, but it's our new normal. Clients are used to it now. Um, our staff, our volunteers are used to it. And so it really is our new normal. It's just like anybody going to, um, you know, going to any store in town, you expect you're going to stand in line outside before you get in, which two months ago would have felt absolutely unrealistic uh, out of a movie, right? Mm -hmm. And here it is. We're all expecting that. You pull into a parking lot and you see how long the lineup is and no one's really complaining. 
we know it has to be done and we're all feeling grateful that that store remains open so we're all getting used to this new behavior i think but this this also gives us an opportunity i think to reflect on um several things number one being social service agencies i think you know there's there's a lot of folks who um prior to this crisis thought, you know, I've always worked, I've always taken care of myself, I'll never need to use a social service, I will never have to be in the food bank lineup. And that may shift a little bit Mm -hmm. with this crisis, because it doesn't matter for many people if you want to work or, you know, etc. That's not a possibility at the moment for many people. And um, you could find yourself here when you've never been here before. And so I would like to say a couple of things on that is number one, please please come and see us if you need food. We are here to help you. We're here to support you. The community has given us the resources to do so. So please come here and visit us and and don't feel anything other than um, supported. And um, so I just want to put that out there. And another thing is is perhaps just reflect on the fact that... um, you know, many of our assumptions and beliefs are being a bit turned on their heads with this crisis. It's an opportunity to really see things in a different light, I think. Mm-hmm. I, I couldn't agree with that more. And, and with that being said, I, I will uh, wanted to highlight again the reason that I kind of wanted to, to invite you on was the fact that, you know, this food drive is taking place tomorrow. So uh, I just wanted to kind of maybe get a historical look from you very quickly, just on sort of how critical uh, this Rotary food drive is to the food bank in general, and then how it may be this year might compare to those past years? This is our 24th food drive. So we hold it every spring and fall. The first one was in October of 2008. And it's become an event that people know about. They know what to do. They know how to support it. They look for the yellow bag. And this time is very different. It's typically a celebration of community. We have hundreds of volunteers that come. We have a pancake breakfast and a lunch and, um, you know, real camaraderie around community with Rotarians and with our volunteers. And this time, in order to proceed, we needed to create a very strict process that honored all of the, you know, social distancing guidelines with and the sanitizing guidelines, etc. So this time around, there's really no celebration other than a full warehouse on the on our end, I'm hoping. Um, but Rotarians are going out in their vehicles with their family. So they're, you know, people they're already living with, they're picking up yellow bags, and then they're bringing them to the food bank they're driving them here but we have six different drop zones in parking lots um just right along our street here and we're going to have tables with banana boxes and two volunteers at each drop zone so the vehicle is going to pull up to a drop zone they're going to unload their own vehicle into banana boxes and drive away and then our two volunteers maintaining safe distance will package it up uh, put a lid on those boxes and put it on a pallet so we're literally just going to be filling pallets pallet wrapping them and putting them in um in our warehouse and then in sea cans that we have on site so there's going to be no sorting no kind of camaraderie so i'm going to miss that because that's such a special part of this but what's going to be amazing and we're going to capture this in photography uh peter olson's going to come and take pictures is um I'm looking forward to just the smiling and waving and saying, hey, Mm -hmm. (laughs) thank you, you know, from a distance. So it's going to be exciting to see all of those cars pull up, as they always do every year, um, filled with yellow bags. And please know, Kamloops, we need 
the non-perishable product desperately this time around. We're anticipating, you know, um, a spike over the next several months. We don't think this is going to go away very quickly. And the, the other thing about this crisis that's different is, like with wildfires, we know for certain once end of September hits, October, those wildfires are burning themselves out. November, there's none. You know, that's that crisis is over. And this crisis doesn't just affect a group or a population living, you know, around the wildfire. It affects every single human in this community in different ways, of course. But we don't know when it's going to end or what it's going to look like or when these restrictions are going to be lifted. So we need to uh, ensure that we have the resources, both money and food, to serve a greater number of people for a longer period of time. And we don't really know what that's going to look like. Well, Bernadette, thank you so much for your time. Uh, I really do appreciate it. And uh, good, uh, good to highlight, I think, just the importance of the, of the services that you do provide at the Kamloops Food Bank and how necessary they are for a lot of people. And, and hopefully tomorrow's food drive does go well because, uh, yeah, we, we all want everybody to be um, fed here in our community. Yeah. So thank you so much. Thank really appreciate you. it. Thank you, Jeff.